The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to The Murder in My Family, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including Missing Persons, DNA ID, Scene of the Crime, Zodiac Speaking, Beyond Bizarre True Crime, Citizen Detective, and Campus Killings. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the podcast, its host, or sponsors. If you would like to discuss the murder in your family on this podcast, please be sure to visit themurderinmyfamily.com for more information. You can support this podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder in my family. This episode may contain unsettling material or subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Murder in My Family. I'm your host, Mike Morford. In this episode, we'll be discussing the case of a young man who was trying to turn his life around when he was gunned down by one or more men who apparently were targeting him. Despite a good indication of who pulled the trigger, there have been no arrests as of now, leaving a family in limbo and hoping for justice. We'll dive into this case after some quick housekeeping. Independent podcasts like this one depend on word of mouth to bring in new listeners. So if you find that you enjoy the show, please take a moment to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast, and be sure to introduce a friend to the show and invite them to listen. With your help, the murder of my family can continue to grow and reach a new audience. To learn more about the show or the cases we discuss, please visit themurderofmyfamily.com. You can also find us on Twitter with the handle at murdermyfam, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash t-m-i-m-f podcast. If you'd like to support this show through a Patreon donation, it's always appreciated, and you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash themurdermyfamily. Benefits of supporting the show on Patreon may include early access to ad-free episodes of the show, plus bonus content not heard in regular episodes. Support may also include thank you cards, stickers, and more. In each episode, I'll give shout-outs to any new supporters, and thank you to all of the supporters that generously donate to help keep the show growing and improving. One last note, please support any of the sponsors that you hear on The Murder of My Family, the way that those sponsors support the show. It's with our sponsor support that this show can go on and continue to provide a platform to share these stories with you in every episode. Thank you. And now on with the show. Jorge Luis Delgado Jr. was born July 2nd, 1998 in Waterbury, Connecticut, to Jennifer Shadea and Jorge Delgado Sr. Growing up, Jorge Jr. was known to some as Spaz, but affectionately as Georgie to friends and family. Georgie loved sports, but was mostly interested in football and basketball. 
The following segment was written by Georgie's maternal grandmother, who misses and wanted to honor her grandson, so I've included it here. It reads, We fell in love with him at first sight. He was surrounded by family. Georgie loved fire engines and police cars when he was little. Georgie attended daycare and then preschool. He loved to play with the other kids and had several playdates with other children. Georgie attended parochial schools from kindergarten until the end of eighth grade. When Georgie was seven years old, we moved to a house with a big swimming pool, and he had his friends Marcus and Dominic to play with daily. For his eighth birthday, he had his classmates and friends over for a pool party and cookout. There was a bounce house and everyone had a great time. Georgie loved to ride his bike and play basketball. He tried football and baseball, but his love was basketball. We bought a big basketball hoop for the yard where he spent many hours shooting hoops with his friends. We took Georgie to Disney World twice, and the third time he went with a neighbor and her son. When Georgie was around 11 years old, we took him on a cruise ship from New York to Canada. I remember he told me that he didn't think he would ever take a cruise until he was older. I will always remember the time we spent together playing cards, watching TV together, going to the amusement park, and all of the fun things we did together as he was growing up. Georgie loved to spend an overnight visit with his Aunt Robin, and he also loved to visit his Aunt Ida and his cousins Christian and Christina on weekends. Georgie went to public high school, but in 12th grade he went to live in a different city, and that's where he met his longtime girlfriend, Nia. He was with her for almost seven years. We all knew that they would get married and have children. Georgie loved kids. Georgie was my one and only grandchild, and I feel like I have a hole in my heart. You never expect to have your children or grandchildren pass before you. He had prepaid to have a new bumper put on the car the next day, which was his day off from work. Out of nowhere, a car drove by his car and shot bullets into the car window. Georgie took three bullets to the head. An ambulance brought him to the hospital, where Georgie passed the next morning. Life will never be the same for my family. We exist, but we no longer live. No one deserves what was done to my grandson. My family is still waiting for an arrest and for justice to be served for Georgie. We have joined the Survivors of Homicide group. This group are the only ones that understand what my family has gone through because they have all had loved ones taken from them, tragically also. We will never forget Georgie, and he is always in our prayers and in our hearts. I will love him forever. Georgie's grandmother, Nancy Gordon. It's clear from those words written by Georgie's grandmother that Georgie was loved by his family and is missed dearly. And it sounds like he had a fun and exciting childhood with love and support. But as an adult, Georgie wasn't perfect and found himself in trouble with the law. And he wound up going to prison. In an effort to get Georgie on the right path, his mom suggested that her son relocate to New Haven with, with his father, hoping that a change of scenery would get him on the right path, and Georgie hoped to turn his life around, but he'd never get that chance. At around 9.36 p.m. on Monday, April 11, 2022, shots rang out somewhere near South Frontage Road in New Haven, between York Street and College Street. Officers responding to the calls of shots fired found 23-year-old Jorge Delgado Jr. in a car, suffering from gunshot wounds to the head. He was immediately taken by American medical response to Yale New Haven Hospital, just across the street. But it was no use. His wounds were too severe, and he passed away early the next morning. Investigators didn't have many clues to go on. 
New Haven Assistant Police Chief Carl Jacobson told the media one day after the shooting, we do know that he was driving down South Frontage when another car pulled up to him, fired into his car, causing the injuries. Was this a random shooting? Someone looking to cause chaos? And sadly, Georgie just happened to be driving in the area that night? Or had he been followed to Frontage Road and targeted? Police aren't saying, but there are rumors that Georgie was targeted and that his killer or killers sought him out in the hours before he was fatally shot. His murder was New Haven's third homicide in 2022, making it an average of one per month. Specifically with gun violence, it has only gotten worse in the city since then. Looking at Georgie's entry on the Gun Violence Memorial website, there are four fatal shootings listed in New Haven in April 2023 and a fifth in May. With a population of around 135,000 people, it's not the largest city, but it's definitely populated. The area around the town, Greater New Haven, has over 850,000 residents, and New Haven is home to Yale University. The area that Georgie was shot in is directly outside of Yale School of Medicine, just one block from the emergency room at Yale New Haven Hospital. This is a very busy area. We're not talking about a country road or a shooting late at night where no one was around to see it. Someone likely saw or heard something. If you have information about the murder of Jorge Luis Delgado Jr., or if you saw or heard anything in the area that night, please contact the New Haven Police Department Investigative Services Division by calling 203-946-6304. You can also give your tip and still remain anonymous by calling 1-866-888-TIPS. If you prefer to text, start your message with NHPD and send it to 274637. I sat down with Georgie's mom, Jennifer, to discuss her son's tragic death and about her family's frustration and fear that the person or persons who took her son's life may take someone else's. That conversation is coming up in just a moment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, Jennifer. I want to thank you for coming on the Murder of My Family to discuss your son's case with us. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to have you here. It's obviously not under good circumstances why you are here, but um, I'm hoping that we can help you get the word out and get justice for your son. I know this last year's probably been pretty rough for you, and you lost your son April 2022, so just over a year ago. He was just 23 years old. I'm I'm curious how you've been able as a mother who's lost a son like this, how have you been able to get through this last year without him and, and having this hanging over your head? 
Um, just like a lot of different support groups, I feel like that helps me the most because they're every day, like I still break down every day, multiple times a day, usually. Um, and um, I always feel like nobody understands it unless they've been through it. You know what I mean? So that's the best people to talk to about it or um, things like that, because they're like the only people that really understand. So they're the only ones that will understand. Yeah, I, I think anybody, any of us that are parents, it's got to be the most unimaginable thing to to happen. But unless it's actually happened to you, you probably don't really understand how how difficult it is. So it's good that you do have support from people that sort of know what you're what you're going through. Um, and your son died died in a shooting. That's something that we see all. It's all too common these days. And before we get into the details of what happened to him exactly and, and how this all, you know, was laid out before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about Ori and help us get to know him a little bit? Um, He was 23 years old. He had a girlfriend that he was with since high school. He really loved her. They lived, they both lived with me. Um, so they were supposed to move out together. Um, and then he died two weeks Um you know, before, I mean, yeah, before they were ready to move out. Um, he wasn't perfect when he was in high school. He did get into trouble. Um, he did go to jail, but he came out and he was on a GPS bracelet for the, he got out in 2019, I think September of 2019. And, um, he was on the bracelet ever since. So that's one of my issues. With his murder is his stipulations from probation was he was not allowed, he's supposed to be allowed in New Haven, Bridgeport, or Hartford. He had two jobs he was working. He was trying to go to school and get his GED. He was like staying out of trouble. And um, he was like really trying to change his life around. And his probation officer made him stop going to school. So he never got to get his GED because she made him do drug and alcohol classes that he didn't need. She was ready to violate him if he was five minutes late coming home at night on a nine o'clock curfew. She was ready to violate him if he told her, like, his bracelet was dying, but he had to go to work. She'd tell him, like, too bad, you have to call out. But nobody was monitoring that he was in New Haven every day. And um, that's one of my biggest issues. And I'm I'm not the first mother that I've heard that this has happened to their child. I also, um, I know there's another boy in New Haven where she had an issue with um, terrible probation down there. But um. Me and his father, his father and I actually had called. It was the week he died or that he got murdered. We called the um, chief over at probation and I basically told them in exact words. Um, I said, I feel like this murder is on you guys' hands just as much because why wasn't he being monitored? And his response was, well, when they're doing well, um, we don't really watch them. And my response was, well, then he shouldn't have been on the bracelet for that long. It was almost two years. And... Um, you guys were ready to violate him for anything else like GPS bracelets. They make those companies make a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars. So if nobody's monitoring it, what, what, what's the point of putting it on these kids? And his response was he'll call us back. And he never cared enough to call back ever. Uh, and, and just a little bit to fill in listeners. So this bracelet is something they gave him to just make sure he's staying out of trouble and doing what he's supposed to be doing and in the right areas. It's GP um, monitored, so they're able to track if he says he's home and he's not home, they would see that. Okay. So that's now, 
good thing about the murder is when these boys murdered him, he had it on. So the police, I'm assuming, um, were able to go to anywhere he went. Like they were able to track everywhere he went. So if that store had a camera or that house had a camera and they were able to see where he went, they were able to track, um, you know, what cars were behind him, who he was with, if, it, if anything was on camera, which that's the only good thing, you know? Okay. And so was this, um, this area that this happened in, was this an area that he went to routinely for work or uh, no. friends there or? I just think, I don't know. I, I didn't know really where he was hanging. I know for work, it, he was, he had just gotten out of work and he stopped at a corner store, but, um, and I, this is what I'm saying right now. This is all from what I've heard from people from the streets that know my child, um, that knew him. Um, these boys were literally stalking him from like daylight to um, nighttime when he got murdered. Like they were waiting, going up to people, asking where he is. We're not here for you um, with ski masks on, um, just riding around all day. And um, I know people have sent me videos of the boys who alleged allegedly um killed them because there's no arrest made yet but um they're just driving around in the car flashing guns around um yeah that's got to be difficult to hear that basically he was stalked yeah seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. The future is a hefty responsibility, and not one that we take lightly. But then, taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Let's go back a little bit to that day. So... Um, can you walk us through what happened and how that day sort of unfolded and, you know, why these guys were, were looking for him, how that all started? Um, I don't know what made them on that day look for them. I just know my son went to work in the morning and I think it was around 10 something at night. I was in bed and um, his girlfriend called me and said, where are you? And I said, I'm in bed home. Why? And she said, I heard your son got shot. Um, there's an on-scene media on Facebook and a guy goes around and he records all the arrests or shootings or whatever's going on, fires, traffic accidents. And there was a video up there with my son's car shot up. Um, so his father lived closer than me. So he got to the hospital first because when I, I called, they were saying that there was nobody there by his name. And at first they didn't want to tell him because it was a homicide. Like they really couldn't. But then he was like showing him his ID. I was like, I'm his dad. They had the same name. So they finally like said um, he was in surgery and um, we had a week from there. But um, I don't know. I mean, I've heard rumors why um, one of the boys didn't like my son. Um, but I don't know what made them that day. Um, 
I, I just, I, I kind of, this is my own opinion. I feel like they were trying to make a name for themselves by, um, and cause allegedly like, um, after my son, these, this isn't the only person they killed. And, um, the chief of police actually gave a, of New Haven, he gave a, um, a zoom about the gun laws and it was a public, um, event. Anyone could have went zoomed in and watched it. And, um, he actually brought up my son's name and, and made him an example and said, um, they're trying to, or trying to pass a bill or want a bill to change the gun laws because these boys, um, they just, they, they get arrested for guns. And I mean, these boys that allegedly did the murder, like their sheets are like so long of stuff they've done. And, um, but it's a lot of guns up there. And one of the boys, um, prior, he had shot at three people and only did, a year in jail came out on three and a half years of probation. He's currently incarcerated right now, facing um, a maximum of 10 years just for the guns. Um, Cause he was flashing it around on Facebook and um, Snapchat and everything. And I guess somebody probation, whatever he was on seen it. And then the other boy um, he's um, that allegedly did it. Um, He's um everybody in the this the same people that told me he killed my son said he did another murder. So um I mean if he was if they if these boys were arrested um and put away on serious charges for having a gun, maybe uh, my son and other people would still be here right now. So the yeah. gun law definitely needs to um be stronger for repeated offenders like who aren't even supposed to have a register like they, they're not they don't have registered guns, you know. Yeah, it's very disheartening, very frightening when you hear somebody you know shoot somebody and then you find out they've got a long rap sheet and a history of doing yeah. violent crimes and they're it's like why are they out on the streets to do this you know mm -hmm. if maybe it like you mentioned maybe something else would have taken them off the streets you know your son would still be alive um so it, it sounds like it from from what you're saying uh i don't know if these these guys have been publicly named but it, it sounds like the police have a good idea of who they are it's not necessarily a mystery uh as to who they are i think so um they can't ever tell me like you know anyone's names or how many people or whatever um all they like really say is it's looking good and things are going well but um i feel like i know everything already like i'm just waiting for that call to con well, i mean i'm sure there's stuff that i don't know but um where I was in the dark a year ago, like, I mean, the first week I heard names, um, but, um, yeah, like now, like I, I, I really know, like from people who they bragged about this too, you know what I mean? Have told me so, and I've seen, um, screenshots of, you know what I mean? Texas and, um, things like that. And these, they're so dumb. They put it on Facebook talking about it, bragging about it. And, um, I, there's a lot of people involved and, um, they brag about it and put it on Facebook. So I don't know. I hope like the police do, do have all that. And I hope everybody that's a part of it gets some kind of charge. Are these guys, were they, are they your son's age? Was he sort of in the same age bracket two, as them? Um, two years younger. Um, so what, as far as you know, or as far as you've been told, what went down that day? Was he just like sitting in his car chilling and they, no, Walk, he was, walked up and started shooting. What what happened? So it was two, um, three boys, two shooters and a driver. 
And um, they were from, as, like I said, from the during the daytime, they were going up to people asking where my son was at. We're not here for you. We're here for him. I guess that when my son had got out of work, excuse me, at some point, um, he had his car parked at the store and two boys went up to the car. And um, I don't know if they were going to shoot him there or what, um, but he wasn't in the car. So they waited his friend came back with him. Um, I guess somebody, I don't know who yet. I'm not sure if one of my son's friends helped set um, him up with these boys. It'll all come out. But um, there was uh, supposedly people calling my son, telling him, get out that area. There's people looking for you. Supposedly, from what his friends say, he wasn't worried about it. He still went in the store, got food, came out, got in his car. Um, but one thing about my son is, like, he's not stupid. Like, he's... um. He's been in New Haven. Um, he lived with his dad for a minute when he was getting in trouble. That's how he got introduced to New Haven. I, I sent him to go live with his dad, which is probably the worst mistake of my life because if I hadn't, he'd still be alive. But um, he, um, my son was never stupid. Like we could be driving anywhere and he would always watch his surroundings. You know what I mean? Like he would know if a car is following him or, or whatever. And um, that's why I don't understand that night, like how they just came up on him and um were able to shoot him you know and in new haven uh, you know that i picture that as like a, a i know there's a big college campus there's that what's the crime like there is there a lot oh, of it's terrible there's shootings it? every day almost every day there's shootings um these kids there's there's a group called the kia boys that go around and steal cars and they'll like they'll crash them on purpose it's just there's is new haven is just terrible if i even knew half of what was going on. I don't even know if it was back when I had him go live with his dad, like never, never, never. But um, it's terrible down there, like terrible. Mm, so a lot of, uh, you know, different violent crime, car theft, gang stuff, that kind of stuff yeah. going on. But um, what the made it happen where they did it, this and this is why I say like um, one of the boys, he calls himself number one assassin, but I call him one of the, like a dumb criminal because um, they did it on a street full of cameras. So the lead detective that was there that night, he did tell me, um, he said to all of us that, you know, the streets full of cameras and there's really good video footage. So I know they have the murder on camera. So, I mean, that was really dumb of them. Like not only was my son on GPS, but like, then you did it on a street full of cameras. You know what I mean? Um, but I have to be thankful that, that they did like they were dumb and did dumb things. You know what I mean? And then talked about it and bragged yeah. about it. And so there's other people that can help fill in the story, hopefully. Um, and I, I can only imagine that it's got to be frustrating to have all these cameras, to have all these people talking and saying, I heard this, I, you know, they said this, but still no arrest. How frustrating is it that there hasn't been an arrest yet? It's so frustrating, but, um, and, and I thought like, okay, it's on camera. Like I, I, I'm telling, you know, I know who did it. They're bragging about it. Everybody knows everybody's talking about it. And, but, um, I thought arrest would have been made like within a month and then it's not like TV. And that's like what the detective told me. He's like, it's not like the first 48 hours. He was like, we need search warrants and everything has to be written out. Um, you know, right. And if not, it gets sent back. But, um, one thing I am grateful with the detective, I know there's been times like he doesn't, he never tells me much, whatever, but, um, 
he always says, like tells me it's looking good, like you know everything's looking good, whatever. But um, there's been times when they wanted him to rush it, and he told them no, like I'm not rushing it. Like I want to make sure when we go to court, everything sticks. So I, I still call him weekly, and I'm like, is there rest yet? Is there rest yet? And he's like, it's looking good. It's look like I just talked to him Friday. It's looking good. So um, I thought I would have got a call last week or the week before, but um. I'm not really hopeful of getting one this week. I'm hoping maybe next week or the week after. You're, you are being patient and you're, you're hoping that when they do make an arrest, it sticks and they make a good case that they can charge these guys and, and bring them to justice. And it, you know, from what you're describing, it sounds like a clear cut case of premeditated. They followed them all day. They were trying to catch up to them. So it's it it doesn't sound like a spur of the moment thing. This sounds uh, like it would be a first degree murder um, with all that going on. These boys bragged about it and everybody um, from the streets told me the same thing. You know what I mean? I didn't even know half of these people until it happened. And um, I mean, nobody will go to the police, but, you know, they tell me what they heard. And um, now it, like, it just all makes sense, you know? Now, did you know before this happened, did you did you know that anyone had a beef with your son or did he ever talk about being worried? There was, there was people that didn't like my son, you know, I'm sure. But um, like I said, he was he was staying out the way. He had two jobs. He had a curfew from probation. He was coming in at night. He lived with his girlfriend. He wanted to, like, get away from everybody and move. And then he got murdered. And he was actually going to go to probation that Tuesday. It happened on a Monday. He was going to go to the chief and ask him to take him off the bracelet that Tuesday. Never got a chance. And um, he just wanted to move to a different town with his girlfriend. And um, that's a nicer town than New Haven. And, um, you know, he wanted babies. like, And it just gets me so mad. Like, his whole life was just taken from him, you know? It's very tragic because he's, again, so young. Um, As a mom, when you got this news that this had happened, I mean, how did you process that and how did you even fathom it? Like every day I still ask why or like I ask him why, God, why? Like, like, how could you leave me? Like, you know, just like little things like that. Like it still feels like a really, really bad nightmare. And, um, you know, after the funeral, people like they just they act like it's your dog that died or something. You know what I mean? Or your cat. Like people just don't get it. But um, to me, it'll never be over. Like even I thought like even though I know I'm getting justice, well, he'll be getting justice soon, maybe for some of them. But um, and I thought it would give me some peace and it will. But like not how I thought it would. Like, I don't think there's anything that um could really make me at peace ever. Yeah, because no matter what happens, you won't have your son. Right. Hmm. So you mentioned some of these groups that have helped you. Um, are these groups that you do online or in person? How how did you find them and, and what kind of uh, advice have you gotten from some of these groups? Um, online is just a lot like I miss my son or I miss my child. Um, people in the comments are like really the only ones that understand and they'll reach out to you. We sent each other like a group of us sent each other Christmas cards like we don't know each other, you know, but um, I am part of a group called Survivors of Homicide that's located in Connecticut and um, they have a lot of fundraiser like charity events and stuff like that. And um, everybody's so helpful. And there's a lot of people in the group that um, know the court process and will help you and, you know, um, 
tell you what to do. And there's one lady in there. So I know she's um, reached out to the prosecutor for me. And um, I mean, you know, they really can't tell her much, but like they'll say like, yeah, I didn't know they're working on it. Well, you know, it's just a little information, whatever. But like when we do go to court, um, she, you know, she helps a lot with that and like gives a lot of um, helpful information. And then you just meet people that are going through the same thing, whether it's their child, niece, mother, you know, whoever that was murdered. Yeah. And it's good to have a team because you, as someone who's never been through this before you you have questions, I'm sure it's like, okay, what do I do next? What should I be doing? What haven't I done? So you've got these other people that have had these experiences that can help you get through it and, and maybe uh, take some of the burden off of you. It sounds like. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, it's how people helping you get through it and, Cause I mean, nobody ever plans for something like this. So you don't really know what to expect, what's going to happen, what to do. Yeah. But it's good that you do have that support there and you have found some, some people to help you along the way. Um, and, and speaking of help, uh, is there anything that the police still need that we can put out on the airways on this show to get people maybe looking, coming forward with tips, information? Is there anything still missing that could help? bring I mean, justice to your family people that were involved in it and that know things um they don't want to speak make an anonymous call and um and what if that was your child like what if that was your brother what if that was you know your family member um you want that on your conscious like these is not like my son robbed somebody or did something like these boys were just bored and i don't know what like they but like they assassinated him it was two shooters you stalked him all day. Like, I don't know how anybody could like live with that. And um, I just don't know. And I, I just wish people would speak up. Yeah. I mean, it just, at the end of the day, it, it sounds like even if you get justice, we mentioned it doesn't bring your son back, but it also may not even answer some of the questions as to why, um, why this happened and why he's gone. Right. That's one of the things he told me originally um, like a year ago. He said, I might be able to tell you who did it, but he said, I don't know if I'll be able to tell you why. So mm. I don't. And, and how important is it for you to, to get justice and not only just for your son because of what they did to him and, and took him away from you, but how important is it to know that they could get these guys off the street so they don't ever do this to somebody else? I wouldn't wish this pain on my worst enemy. I wouldn't even wish this pain on the parents of the boys who did this. Um, I just think they deserve, um, they did what they did. And now you need to um, go to jail for the rest of your life, basically. Like, I'm not trying to play God. And I, I don't know if, I think Florida, right? You guys have a death penalty state. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I wouldn't even want to um, answer whether I would want them dead or not because... I just, I would rather God handle it. I just know um, they need to be behind bars because if they weren't, God only, even right now, two of them are behind bars. Like God only knows how many more people would be dead, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's what's scary is because if they would do this to your son, there's no telling, you know, who might be next. Done it allegedly to, I mean, other people have been killed before my son, like I said, and after. So yeah, my son wasn't the, the last. Yeah, that's very scary. Um, and, and I'm curious, are there any social media pages, websites, anything else like that set up for your son's case that people can check out or go to to provide tips, anything like that? 
I'm seeing in New Haven. Um, he had he's the one that posted the story. That's how I even know it happens. But um, that's really it. Um, yeah, there's like really nothing out there. You know, I'm just depending on the detectives going with uh, um the evidence they have to make the arrest. Yeah, well, we'll do our part. We'll put the tip line information out there, and and hopefully people, if they have information, they'll share it on social media. They'll call in with a tip if they have it anonymously if they need to. But you know, I hope in, at the end of the day that you do see justice for your son, and and as we mentioned, keep these guys off the street so this doesn't happen to another family. I'm going to email you when I do get justice, and I'm going to let you know. I I hope so. I'd love to have a an update that these guys are behind bars and are never going to do this again. And again, we'll bring your son back, but uh, hopefully it'll give you some peace of mind that they're not going to be out there running the streets. Yes. And thank you for, um, you know, giving my son a voice for this. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and again, we'll hopefully share his story, get it out there and hopefully someone out there has some information. Thank you so much. Thank you once again for joining me for this episode of the murder of my family. I'd like to thank Sonny Landon for writing and research assistance in this episode. We'll be back here soon with an all-new episode of The Murder of My Family, and I hope you'll join me for it. But before you go, remember that every murder victim means something to somebody.